Hi there. Welcome to The Preventable, the podcast giving you a seat at the table with conversations about the intersection of alcohol, drugs, and mental health in everyday lives. Take a seat and join us. Welcome to The Preventable. With me today is Stacy Clay, Director of Community Affairs and Midwest Retail Lead for First Bank. Welcome, Stacy. Nicole, thank you. So you're at First Bank now, but I don't want to start with that. I want to start with when you and I first met, which was when you were working for St. Louis Public School District and you were um, deputy superintendent over student services, correct? That's correct. And uh, for those who may not be aware, yeah, what does that mean? Student support services are essentially all the non-academic uh, services to, for students and families. So what does that mean? Nurses, counseling, social workers, after-school programs, alternative education, uh, parent concerns and outreach, um, a few other things, homeless student services. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a variety of things that are, that are non-academic but relate to students and families. And that's really where you and I first met because, you know, a lot of what we do at Prevent Ed is that other side of the report card piece, right? Like academics, yes, important. And then there's all of the other things, the social and emotional learning, the early intervention when kiddos maybe like start to get into some trouble with substances. And you were really instrumental in bringing those services and, and keeping those services at St. Louis Public. So thank you for that. Well, certainly, want to thank Prevented for their partnership, um, not only in the in the more general um, substance, drug, and alcohol education, but um, specifically, if memory serves, Nicole, we we partnered on a program involving our alternative education students. That's correct. Um, and so, if you if you bring a controlled substance into a school. Um, it is something by, by statute that cannot be handled at the school level. It has to go through the formal disciplinary process because of the nature of the substance. So let me pause you. Why is that? Because sometimes we hear from, and I know the answer, mm-hmm. but I'd like you to tell our listeners, like sometimes, you know, people are saying, well, the school should handle that. And well, if the school doesn't intervene, then, you know, I guess it's not that big of a deal. But I don't think a lot of people understand that statutes say what the school can and cannot intervene on. Right. That's correct. Um, in in the case there there are certain um, disciplinary infractions, incidents that an individual principal, uh, certainly a teacher in a classroom, cannot address on their own. Mm. Um, so certainly a, a weapon would be example of yep. one, um, and you know obviously a, a, a gun, the most serious sure, sure, sure. of weapons, that's something that can't be handled, yeah. handled by a principal and from a disciplinary perspective. That has to go to the um, to the district administration. Um, but substances, because um, federally they are considered um, you know controlled substances, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, that goes beyond the authority of the principal and has to go through a formal discipline process. Um, certainly in school districts in Missouri, I can't speak to other places, but that's that's our mandate here. And so what you rolled out is, um, and, and Megan Marietta, that's is correct. That correct? Yes. So essentially that if a student was, was it like a first strike situation yeah. or was it zero tolerance? How did it work? So if we had a situation where a student, um, and, and let's just make it easy, they, they have a small amount of, uh, uh, of marijuana on mm-hmm. them. Um, and the amount is actually important because, right. um, you know, if they had several <laughs> bricks of marijuana, yeah. then 
there's an implication associated with trafficking, which gets us into some more significant areas. So the program that you and I partnered with um, w- would not be applicable in that circumstance. Correct. But let's say it's it's a it's a very small amount, um, clearly for for personal use. Mm-hmm. Um, what would happen is, again, to the earlier conversation, the principal would not have authority just to deal with it at a, at a building level. It would have to go through the formal discipline process. Mm-hmm. But in that process, um, there could there's potentially latitude there in terms of what the ultimate um, discipline turns out to be. Right. And so that's where we leveraged um, the partnership with Prevent Ed, and we said to the young person and their family, look, there are two options you can take here. We can go down the regular discipline path, which may involve um, removal from mm-hmm. from the school, may involve other punishments mm-hmm. and penalties, mm-hmm. or you can go through drug education and counseling um, with Prevent Ed. And if you successfully complete that, and we would stress successfully complete that, correct, yes, um, then um, there would be no further mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. quote punishment or penalty associated with the infraction um, and so we had several students you know pick option B yes um, yes, yes and several that were successful some were not and, of and we had to go down the aforementioned option a route mm-hmm. um, but many were successful um, in going through the program and we we were very hopeful that that put them on a path um, for for responsible use. Yeah. Now, are you uh, like a counselor or a social worker by trade, or how did you get into that piece of education, which is, I mean, I think it's it's vital. So, how did you get into that role specifically? So, uh, I, I'm not I'm not a social worker nor nor a counselor. Um, I was a classroom teacher uh, for about what six grade? years. What grade? Um, kindergarten and first grade, primarily. Oh, okay, sixth so, grade teacher yeah. here. Yep. So um, have have that experience and background and taught in St. Louis Public Schools as okay. well, among, among a couple of other places. Um, ran an educational nonprofit uh, for a time that was really focused on college access. Huh. Um, have had the privilege of serving on a school board, University City, mm. um, on, the, on the University City School Board. Um, so had have always been in education yeah. and, and understood the, the dynamics associated with it. Um, so it was... Privilege to to be able to work with uh, Dr. Kelvin Adams, who who was yep. then the superintendent, is the current superintendent, um, and student support services at that time was not um, consolidated under one deputy oh, okay. or in kind of in one department. Um, homeless student services reported to academics, after school reported to academics, but nurses, counselors, and social workers were under what was then student support services. Um, community education was was in another place. And so um, you had all these pieces that kind of served to support students and families. Yep. Um, they weren't the academics. Um, and so based on conversations with Dr. Adams and really implementing his vision, he said, let's, let's bring all these things together wow. um, under one. And so that structure remains today yeah. with my uh, successor and um, – you know, the key piece of the work was partnering with organizations like Prevent It, mm-hmm. um, because I mean, if, any, if anyone has followed St. Louis Public Schools or school districts in general, they don't have the resources to provide everything that a young person needs, mm-hmm. especially in the social emotional realm. One 
one entity cannot be all things to all people. Right. You just can't. It, it, and when you start to expect one entity, whether it's a hospital, whether it's a school, whether it's a company, to be all things to all people, you're sort of setting yourself up, but you're setting up that organization to fail. Right, right. So, well, you know, that just makes perfect sense to how you're in banking now. No. <laughs> in my brain, it, it actually really does make sense because you're bringing in outside organizations to support St. Louis public schools. Mm. You're working with other entities to create this sort of network. Um, I mean, to me, it, it sort of makes sense to transition, but banking, like what what are you doing at First Bank? So I uh, was presented with an opportunity um, in, in 2018 um, to, to transition to First Bank, uh, which was certainly personally a difficult decision. I'd been with St. Louis Public Schools in some form or fashion for 13, 14, almost 15 years. Um, and certainly that's that's where my heart, mm. very a large piece of my heart still remains with St. Louis yeah. Public Schools. Um, but the, uh, the position that was contemplated with First Bank was Director of Community Affairs. Um, and so it would give me an opportunity to bring um, my, my contacts, my mm-hmm. knowledge of, of the local educational, in particular, nonprofit landscape, but the nonprofit landscape more generally, um, to be kind of on the other side, the more the, the giving side and in um, partnering in that way, as opposed, you know, obviously, with as I was with the district. And so um, First Bank is just such a tremendous company. Um, it's it's owned by the Deerberg, so it really has a, a local emphasis. Yep. Um, and wants which to would do... be why there's a first bank in Deerberg stores, correct? Yes, yes. I did not know that, but then it like all the stars aligned, and I was like, oh. Yes. Yes. Owned by a different branch of the Deerberg yes, family, yes. but but absolutely, there's a there's a tight partnership there, mm-hmm. um, and they are the family and the bank um, are very committed to doing the right thing in the community, and so they wanted to bring. A little bit more structure to to their giving and how they were uh, presenting and showing up in the community, um, and so we had some great conversations, and I made the transition, um, and so that was in June of 2018. Um, in 2021, August of 2021, also almost a year <laughs> from that uh, year, um, I, I was reporting uh, community affairs reported into the retail group and, and got to know. Um, who was my boss um, and still my boss, a gentleman named Rick Sims, who's the chief banking officer. Um, and he, we had talked about me doing some different things within the retail space. Um, I was certainly very happy with, with the work I was doing in community affairs, yeah. but, you know, wanted to continue to grow professionally. And sure. um, First Bank is really supportive of people who want to grow professionally and do different things. And so an opportunity came up um, to actually work in the retail space, working with the branch network and our business banking uh, in the Midwest. And so asked me if I was interested. I said yes. And um, they've provided First Bank has been tremendous in providing me the support yeah. um, I need because everybody there knows I'm not a banker. Yeah, it's new. It's banking. new. Right. Um, but everyone has been fa- fantastic. And I work with a great team of people. Um, who are, are technical experts and really know mm-hmm. um, the ins and outs of, of banking and, and, uh, and making deals and how to serve clients. So it's just been it's been fantastic. You know, a couple of things that you've said as you're talking about your transition to First Bank that I just wanted to pick up on. I mean, one, I do think First Bank is incredibly supportive. Now, I say this and in 
you know, full disclosure, we have our mortgage now mm-hmm. with First Bank. Um, but I was part of, I think, the First Bank extended family for several years without ever, we were never a client. Um, and that's largely because of the man, the myth, the legend, yeah. Joe Ambrose. Right. But he, he and many others of your colleagues, you know, we're just so warm. And so how can we support Prevent Ed? How can we work together to open doors, to, to think about, you know, mental health and, you know, how we as a institution are sort of showing up. Um, so I've gotten a lot of just connections and doors opened even before we were clients, which I think is really nice um, and uncommon, I would say. Um, But then also the the thing that I wanted to just ask you about, there seems to be a lot of people from non-traditional sort of backgrounds entering the world of banking. Do you think banking is changing or do you think, um, you know, I mean, it used to be like back Mm -hmm. in the day, like if you worked for a bank, you were like a banker. And now... There's all kinds of people that are that are being drawn to banks because I think banking and reaching people who have traditionally been unbanked is a whole new world that institutions are exploring. I think you're absolutely right about that. Um, I think banking is changing. Um, I think there's a recognition that, uh, well, the society is evolving. We're right, um, right. In, in the, the days of um, a traditional bank with a banker sitting behind a large wooden desk in an office. Um, Which, let's be honest, that is intimidating right. for a lot of people, right? Right. Those days are gone. Mm-hmm. And so I think, um, and I, I really have to credit uh, my, my boss again, Rick Sims, who's the chief banking officer, um, for really having a vision that banking needs to be different, frankly, just for basic survival, which should be different to better serve the community. And so when you start thinking about banking or anything being different, you have to begin to look at the people who are actually doing the work. Right. And do they look at the work through a different lens? Do they see how it can be done differently? Now, certainly this is not to say that folks who have, you know, deep roots in banking, um, can't innovate, can't look at things from a different perspective. But I think when you start to get people outside of banking, in banking, they can look at things in in a different way. And I think, again, a credit to First Bank is that they embrace that. They embrace people saying, so is there a reason that we do it like Mm this? Mm -hmm. Um, And I think someone who's not from banking if it really doesn't make sense, they're they're going to ask about it. Frankly, if nothing for no other reason, just out of ignorance. Like, <laughs> right. why? Why, like, why, do, why we, do we do this? Why do we do it this way? Mm-hmm. It, you know. Um, and then when folks are are kind of have to go through the exercise of actually explaining it, it can it can create some some aha moments about well maybe we don't need to do it this way. Mm-hmm. And and so that that spirit of innovation and really looking at things differently is something that First Bank has really embraced um, from, I mean, from the senior leadership levels all the way down. Um, And I think the ultimate manifestation of that is what we're doing with our branches. So um, folks going to a First Bank branch, um, let's just fast forward to the end of 2023. Okay. Um, 
are going to have a really different kind of experience. So let's talk about the things that will be the same. Cool. Right now we have great, um, we have great folks in our branches. Yeah, good customer service. Great customer service, provide a great client experience. That's going to stay the same. But what's going to be different is the technology that we're employing, hmm. um, both in the branches and, and with our digital uh, platforms as well. So um, when folks go into, uh, and this has happened with some branches, but again, let's fast forward to the end of 2023. Sure. How many go, branches are there, by the way? Sorry to interrupt. I think we're at about 34. Okay. Um, now that includes our in-store branches. Sure, sure. That includes our in-store branches as well, um, in the Deerbergs, as you mm-hmm, mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what... Folks will see in some of our branches, in our Clayton branch, I'll use an exam- as an example, um, you'll see two what are called ITMs, interactive teller machines. Mm. And these are teller machines that they do the ATM function. So if you just need to get 50 bucks out, yeah, you can right. stick your card in and do that. But if you need more something more significant, need to cast a check, need to make a transfer, need to make a mortgage payment, um, you can hit the screen and a virtual teller will come up. Huh. What do I mean by virtual teller? I don't mean some cartoonish, <laughs> you know, <laughs> avatar like for, character. Right, yeah, right, for a person. Right. Um, it's an actual person who you communicate with via, essentially via Zoom. Cool. I mean, that's, okay. that's what the interface is like. So you're dealing with a live person who can handle the transaction um, as a live teller would, huh. um, often um, a bit more quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, and and you can just get in and get out if that's what you choose to do. But if you have something more complicated, we have folks in the branch yeah. who are more than capable of having those more in-depth conversations because one of the things that's changing in banking is it's really more, it's about relationships more than anything else. It's, I think that's everywhere. I think COVID has made relationships more important everywhere, including with the person that, you know, you're trusting your money with because that's yeah. really what a bank is, right? It's like a person or a group of people that you trust to help you take care of your money. Absolutely. And we want to set people up on really a life journey with their finances. Mm. Yes. Talk more about this. I love this. I was hearing about this at that event. So what does that mean? Like their life, like the lifespan? Because there's a lot of things that happen over a person's life and a lot of potential touch points with a bank. There are. And, you know, we, we want to engage young people. When I say young people, we're talking about students, high school age or really younger. Mm-hmm. We have we have a kid's savings account. So yeah. we, we want to get young people in the habit of understanding money and how it could work for them early on. So yep. we start with a kid's savings account. And then we go to our, um, we go, you know, you can start to get in in your 20s. You start having conversations about about mortgage, sure, um, sure, about, sure. you know, actually beginning the conversation about retirement, um, but also about budgeting, just the day-to-day yeah. kinds of things. That's what, those are the folks that we have in our branch who are prepared to have those kinds of conversations. And really build that relationship and, over and, time. And building it over time and having, and really, really getting into the nitty gritty. So folks, even with modest incomes, can have a plan to save uh, for the things that are going to be important to them. So that first house, if that's what you choose to do, uh, marriage, uh, planning for children, college education for those children, mm-hmm, retirement, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. all those things and everything in between. The fun things too. Hey, I want to, you know, we want to go on right. vacation. We sure, want to do some of these sure. other things. Or your basement floods right, or whatever. Right. right, all the things. And so we've got 
folks who are prepared and, and really eager to have those conversations. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, we've got products and solutions for of course, it. Of course. <laughs> every, every point along that journey. But really it's more about the the conversation and making sure that folks are prepared because one of the realities, which is tremendous, is that we are living much longer. Mm-hmm. And so our money is going to have to do things now that it didn't have to do for our parents and grandparents for a much longer period. Um, And while we're living longer, I don't think people have a real appetite to work a whole lot longer. No, no. (laughs) So we're, we're asking our money to do a lot more, and there are ways that we can plan for that. Excellent. You know, I think that the, I forget what you called them, basically like the eight the zoom what what are you uh, calling yeah, those interactive teller machines itms yeah. yeah i mean it makes total sense to me given everything that we had to do in the last two and a half years right? right i mean people are more comfortable with screens people have gotten much more comfortable with talking to a person through a screen right. um and and it makes a, that makes a ton of sense to me it also and this is like we need to have you part back for part two. But with the rise in like cryptocurrency, I think it mm. helps maybe cater to a younger generation right. who is more, I'll say tech savvy for right. lack of a better word. Right. But to me, it, it makes perfect sense. And so you imagine that those um, the branches will have all of those will be there by the end of 2023. Yes. Yes. We'll we'll be um, we're, we're in the process of. Of transforming our branches now so there are some that definitely have it yeah um, our branch in clayton our branch in kirkwood mm-hmm. our east st louis branch um our branch on graham road is going through that process right now um, but we have some other branches that are more traditional and we want you to come and visit yeah. those and have a great experience yeah, as those sure. as well um but yes by the end of 2023 we should um, we should be seeing a, a full transformation in the Midwest. You know, I knew that you were the right person to have on here. And I and I knew that First Bank was a bank that we wanted to highlight because of the, the um, emphasis that you all place on conversations. And so I'm so grateful for you all to come here today for you to talk about conversations that you all are having internally at right at how we can improve things, how we can stay up to date and even innovate way ahead. Mm-hmm. Um, but also just joining the conversation with me about mental health and kids and all the things. So um, I feel like we just scratched the surface. You want to come back sometime? I would love to. Okay, excellent. To. Thank you. If you liked this conversation, if you want more where this came from, please consider rating, reviewing, and subscribing to The Preventable. Thank you, Stacy. Appreciate Thank it. Thank you very much. Thanks for joining us at The Preventable, brought to you ad-free by PreventEd. PreventEd works to reduce or prevent the harms of alcohol and other drug use through education, intervention, and advocacy. Please visit their website at prevented.org. Like what you heard? Rate, review, and subscribe to stay up to date with what we are serving on The Preventable.